So how to interpret my life? How do I interpret my life? To interpret means to translate. To interpret means to translate from one language to another. It means also to explain. It means to make sense. It means to get the meaning of a situation. But here's the key. From my heart. Not from my brain, but from my heart. Let's look at Genesis chapter 15, verse 5 to 6. Now, I'm going through a lot of scriptures with you this morning. So, please. Go through the word with me, okay? Genesis chapter 15, verse 5 to 6. And he brought forth Abraham and said to him, Now look toward heaven and tell the stars. If you be able to number them, and he said unto him, So shall your seed be. So this is God speaking to Abraham. He said, whether you have what you desire to have depends very much on where you look. Where you look. I'm telling you now to look toward heaven and I'm telling you to see the stars as your children and your grandchildren. This is the interpretation of faith. This is interpreting the word of God by faith. So God was teaching Abraham where to look and how to interpret his situation. Well, his situation seemed to be pretty bad. Like he was old and his wife was old and barren. But God made a way for him by telling him how to interpret that situation, and where to look to see the stars as his offsprings, his sons and his grandchildren. Let's look at another scripture. First Samuel chapter 17 verse 46. First Samuel chapter 17 verse 46. This is David. He was looking at Goliath, an enemy in front of him. And he said, this day, he did not say someday, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This is how he won his battle. He had won it in the spirit. He had won it in the spirit. And of course, he would get the manifestation in the natural. He said, this is the end of you. You're no longer my problem. This is the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you down. And I will cut you off. And I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines. Not only you. And all the Philistines together with you. I will give their bodies to the birds of the air. And to the wild bees of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is a God. In Israel. This is once again the interpretation of faith. So you, how you interpret the events of your life matters. Once again we see the interpretation of faith. Now let's look at Numbers chapter 13 verse 32. Numbers 13 32. Listen to this. 
So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out. Well, they had seen with their eyes. Come on, let's be practical. Let's see with our eyes. Let's go and have a look. The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. Whoa. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. This is what our eyes are telling us. Move on, please. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak who come from the Nephilim. Whoa, that's a mighty bunch. And then we turn our eyes on ourselves and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. This is the interpretation of unbelief. This is the interpretation of fear. Why? Because they excluded God in their vision. They did not see God. They did not see the promise of God. They only saw what they saw externally on the inside. They did not see God above and God within That's the interpretation of fear and unbelief. Let's look at Numbers chapter 14 verse 9. We had two people, Caleb and Joshua. Caleb and Joshua, they did not have a grasshopper mentality. They did not have a grasshopper vision. What did they say? Look at them. What did they say? They said, they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them already. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. So whose side are you on? Or who is on your side? When the Lord is on your side, you become the majority. You are in the winning team. So how we interpret the events in our lives matters. How do we see matters? How does God see? Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 7. How does God see? How does God see any sickness, any disease? How does God see any problems, any lack? How does God see when your children are rebellious? But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance. On the outside, they may look very rebellious. On the outside, you know, your sickness may seem very grievous. Do not look on the appearance. Do not look on the height of his statue. Do not look at the magnitude, the magnitude of this problem. Why? Because I have rejected him. I'm not with him. The protection had been removed. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance. Let's evaluate. Let's be practical. Let's look at the situation. Let's look at the economy. But the Lord looks on the heart. What does he see in your heart? What does he see in my heart? What do we want him to see? Faith. Integrity. Love, the love of God, wisdom, grace. Can we say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. That's why the word of God says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 8. 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart. Pure means undefiled, uncontaminated, undisturbed. Who is in their heart? God. Not sickness and disease. Not lack. Not the world's economy. Blessed are the pure in heart. The word blessed means you will be given the power to prosper. You will be given the power to excel. You will be the give, you will be given the power to win your battles. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. When David saw Goliath, he saw God. The hand of God. That's why he was so confident. Can we say amen? Look at Titus chapter 1 verse 15 to 16. Titus chapter 1 verse 15 to 16. When you see him, you hear him. That's the thing. I can't move until I'm, until I hear God. I can't move until there's a witness in me. That's the way that God wants me to go. If you look at Titus chapter 1 verse 15 to 16, to the pure, all things are pure. To the pure, all things are pure. To the undefiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. That means you only see the bad. You will see what is not good for you. You will see what is not profitable for you. You will see everything that is disadvantageous for you. To the pure, all things are pure. God is on my side. God is with me. The angels are moving on my behalf. But to the defiled, unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. Can you see the connection? What you see is connected to your mind and to your conscience. If you see bad, your conscience then becomes bad. If you see bad, then then your mind becomes contaminated. So our vision matters. How we see and what we see matters. Can we say amen? They profess to know God. I know God. I've memorized my scriptures. I've prayed so many times. But they deny him by their works. Jesus called them hypocrites. Nobody knows the Bible as much as the Pharisees. Nobody worshipped God as much as the Pharisees did. They knew him. But what happened? Their works deny him. That's why James said, How do I know my faith? By my works. How do I know that I'm a believer? By my works. How I work that out. How I live it out. Can we say amen? Jesus said by their fruit, that means by what they produce, the consequences, the results, the works, you will know them. Can we say amen? Amen. So our perception matters. Say to the person next to you, your perception matters. So you ask me, Pastor Dora, what is the cure? Well, God would never hide like something, a problem for us without giving us the answer. 
God would never highlight a problem without giving us the solution. So what's the solution? What is the cure? Go to Hebrews chapter 4 verse 11. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 11. So how do we grow the quality of our spirit? How do we grow the quality of our spirit? How do we improve the condition of our hearts? This is the way. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 11. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. There is a laboring that is involved. There's a work that is involved. But you don't work independent of God. You work with the Holy Spirit. You work with the Spirit of truth to enter into the rest. What is the rest? The rest is that you don't struggle anymore. There's no more struggle. You don't struggle about, you know, whether people like you or not, whether they approve you or not. You don't struggle whether you're going to make a profit or whether you're going to make a loss for your business. No, you enter into that rest. Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Why did they have the grasshopper mentality? Because they were in unbelief. What is unbelief? God is outside of the picture. The power of God, the promises of God, they're completely forgotten. Because one is so overwhelmed by the situation that one is in. Now go to verse 12. So what is the cure? The word of God. What is the cure? The word. For the word of God is quick, means sharp, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God is active, is active. And piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Separating your soul, your will, your thoughts and your emotions from your spirit. So that your soul cannot control your spirit. So that your soul cannot contaminate your spirit. So that your spirit takes over. It's the spirit of faith. It's the spirit of God. It's the spirit of truth. It's the spirit of love. It's the spirit of integrity. Can we say amen? We must separate the two. Separate the two and let your spirit rise up and take over to lead your will, your mind, your emotions. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. If you continue to read, it's a discerner. Go back to verse 12. It's a discerner. To discern means to see. To see, to see. When I looked, Abraham, when he looked at the stars, he did not see the stars. He saw his children. He saw his grandchildren. He saw his offspring. And it was at that moment that he was counted righteous. It was at that moment when he saw what God showed him that he was counted righteous. It was at that moment that he became the father of faith. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. That's the cure. Amen. That's the cure for us. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9. As I said, I'm showing you a lot of scriptures this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9. Once again, go back to the I, but as it is written, 
I have not seen nor ye heard. I has not seen nor ye heard. Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. That means when you love God, God has a great plan prepared for you. He has a plan for you, not to harm you, not to hurt you, but to give you a hope and a future. A glorious, successful future. That's what God has for us. It doesn't matter what the environment is. It doesn't matter what the economy is like. It doesn't matter that we are in the end times. God has a great future for us. Can we say amen? And what is the key? It hinges on what you see. It hinges on your eye. This is not talking about the natural eye. This is talking about your eye, the eye of your spirit. Eye has not seen. No, ye heard. If you engage just your natural eyes, you won't see it. That's why it's so important that we know that we have two set of eyes. Say to the person next to you, you have two set of eyes. Two set of eyes. You have two set of eyes. The internal and the external. The internal and the external, the spiritual and the natural, the eye of faith or the eye of fear, the eye of the world or the eye of the kingdom. You can decide which set of eye you're using. Of course, when you're driving, you don't use the eye of the spirit. You use the eye of the natural, right? But when you're praying, when you're believing, when you're planning, you use the eye of the Spirit. Can we say amen? You can't come to me and say, Pastor Dora, look at my work. You can't use the eye of the natural. You have to use the eye of faith. No. When we talk about work performance, we're using the eye of the natural. <laughs> How many of you know what I'm talking about? Rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. So what is the eye of the spirit? What is the eye of the kingdom? Hebrews chapter, do we look? Where do we look? When I'm planning my life, when I'm planning um, my future, when I'm engaging my faith, what do I see? When I need to believe God for healing, when I need to believe God for prosperity, when I need to believe God for answers, what do I see? Where do I see? Whom do I look? Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Look at the way that Jesus looked. How did Jesus look? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame. He turned a blind eye to those things. Those things didn't bother him. He turned a blind eye to how people saw him, to how people despised him. And what happened? What result did he get? Set down at the right hand of the throne of God. There is a time of endurance. There is a time of training. And you need to be able to pass that. To pass that. How do you pass the test? How do you go through your training? Your eye fixed on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher. Don't just start. You must finish. Don't just start. We must finish. 
Can we say amen? It's no point starting well, but finishing bad. We need to start well and finish well. Can we say amen? Glory be to God. How do we interpret our live events? Through the Babylonian worldview? If you do your degree, they talk to you about the worldview. Through a mercenary perspective? Through our subjective perspective that's based on our past experiences, based on the advice of the professional experts? No. We have to understand how the human mind interprets a picture. To interpret means to make sense of. To make sense of what had been picked up by the five physical senses. So we're always using our five physical senses. We're always seeing, hearing, smelling, touching, and tasting. And then those senses picked up the information and transfer the information to our brain. And then your brain goes through a reasoning process or a filtering process. You have your rationale. And then you transfer from your reasoning to your feelings. And then your feelings start to convince you. Your feelings start to form your beliefs. And then because you have believed it, you act on it. Because your belief has become your conviction. And your conviction will birth actions. Here is a red apple. It looks crunchy. It must taste good. Oh, yeah, it will make me wise. Apple is good for me. Yes, let's try. Let's eat it. Now go with me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, this is where she started to fall. How did she start to fall? She saw that the tree was good for food. She had completely forgotten what God said. She had completely forgotten what Adam said to her. She said, the tree, I saw that the tree was good for food. She started to walk down that path of deception. The devil is a deceiver. What's the difference between lying and deceiving? When you're, when you're lying, you know you're lying. But when you're deceived, you think that is true. So she saw the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes. And that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took, she took of his fruit and ate action. She also gave some to her husband. You know, that's, that's what sin is like. It's always contagious, like sickness and disease. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Two set of eyes. What do you mean? Her eyes were opened. Go with me to verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. Well, weren't they seeing before? Weren't they seeing before Satan tempted them? The eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. They saw something different now. Hey, 
two sets of eyes, the pure and the undefiled, whichever you put to use. Eve was already wise. She was made in the image of God. How could she not be wise? God handcrafted her. But she didn't see that. She saw herself not good enough. She needed the apple to make her wise. How clever is that? The defiled eyes were opened. And the defiled vision dominated her. Sin has its dominion. The wages of sin is death. It's never as good as it sounds. Sin has consequences and the dominions and the dominion of demons. If you go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 10, verse 17, who is talking? God was talking, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God was telling them, you shall not eat. And God told them the consequence, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. But she had completely ignored that. Adam completely ignored that. Her subjective interpretation is completely void of and also independent of what God first said about the tree. She saw what God said as evil. She saw it good, attractive, and beneficial. And out of her subjective interpretation, she sinned against God, against his word, against her own husband's conscience, and they both fell. Say to the person next to you, how you see matters. Now look at Acts chapter 26, verse 18. Acts 26, verse 18. To open their eyes, referring to the lost and the fallen. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in him. All of that hinges on their eyes. Your eyes are very important. How you see is very, very important. Now look at Psalm 36 verse 9. Psalm 36 verse 9. For with you is the function of life. When you are in Christ Jesus, you have the life force in you, feeding you on the inside. You have the wisdom of God coming to you on the inside. Why? Because you become lit up. You're no longer seeing like the world sees. The world is full of darkness. Satan is the God of darkness. He doesn't have light to give to you. He only has darkness to fill you, fill you up with. But God with you is the fountain of life in your light. We see light. Where do we find the light of God? Come on, tell me church. Where do we find the light of God? The word of God. 
The word of God is the light. The light will dispel darkness. The light will cause you to see the enemy, demons that are camouflaging, trying to deceive you. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 to 23. This is repeated in Luke. Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 to 23, repeated in Luke chapter 11, verse 34 to 35. So that means it's very important. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of what? Darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Let me ask you, can anything grow in darkness? No. What is darkness? Is death. Nothing grows. You can't do anything. It's death. Where is darkness, there is death. But Pastor Dora, I need to look at the problem. I need to look at the problem. Can you get any light out of the problem? Solution, wisdom comes from God. You need to look at the problem, but in the light of God. In the light of wisdom. In the light of the answer. Can we say amen? The eye is what we focus on. Is our perception, is our vision. Your perception, your vision will inevitably becomes your direction. When we drive a car, we all know the car goes according to where we look. Your vision will become your direction. Your vision will become your interpretation. How many of us know that when, for example, when I, uh, when I see a dog, let's say, when I see a dog, oh, I love a dog. Dogs are so friendly. But then for somebody who had been bitten by a dog, no, stay away. Dog means danger. Can you see? It's the same thing, but different interpretations. So what you see will decide your direction, will also decide your interpretation. And because of your interpretation, it will also decide your transformation. Whether you're going from faith to faith or whether you're going from guilt to shame. What does it mean by your whole body shall be full of light? That means you become enlightened. You become lit up with God's clarity, priority, discernment, enablement. Why? Because light banishes darkness. And when the darkness is gone, the, food, the devil has no foothold in your life. The devil has no pockets of darkness in your mind. How many of you know that when you go and look at an x-ray and they see if there are patches of darkness, that means you have problems. When the light shines on your body, everything should be lit up. Can we say amen? Hallelujah.
But if the eye is evil, then the body becomes full of darkness, full of spiritual darkness, defilement, contamination, negative voices, meanness, harshness, unforgiveness, vindictiveness, hurt, sorrows, condemnation, shame, guilt, accusations. All of that because on the inside is full of darkness. And that's why Jesus had come to save us, not on the outside, but from the inside. Salvation comes from the inside. When your spirit becomes born again, the light comes into you. In his light, we start to see light and we start to correct ourselves. Can we say amen? What is the most important? The eye. For with your eye, you interpret what's around you, what's going on in your life. Go with me to Matthew chapter 19, which is repeated in Luke chapter 18, verse 25. Matthew 19, verse 24. Also repeated in Mark chapter 10, verse 25. So let's look at it. Let's look at it. Let's go to Matthew chapter 19, verse 24. And I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, emphasizing, okay? Again, he said, again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. How many of you have seen the eye of a needle? How many of you do sewing? Yes. So it's easier for for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, though it looks very, very tiny and narrow. But Jesus is making a comparison. He's not talking about the gate. He's doing a comparison. What's the comparison? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person whose heart is focused on riches, whose heart is focused on the acquisition of wealth. Serving the God of Mammon is very hard for him to enter into the kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of God? Where there is authority, where there is dominion. Where there is power. Jesus said you can't serve both God and mammon. And that's why he's making that comparison. So your perception matters. If your eyes are on money, focused on money, focused on money, then you lose sight of God. You can't keep looking at money because when your eyes are on money, your eyes are not on God. Remember we did our exercise last Sunday? Can we do that again? Can we all look up? Let's look up. So when you're looking up, can you see what's down there? Can you see what's around you? No. That's how we know. Amen. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Well, I need to check on him. I need to check on her. You know, what they're doing. You know, just to make sure they're right. Let me protect them. Let me control them. You know, Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 to 5. I'm a mother. I want to make sure my son is doing right. I want to make sure my daughter is doing right. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can we say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the pack in your own eye? Continue. 
you hypocrites. First, take the log out of your own eye. Why? So you can see. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So Jesus is not talking about, don't take the speck, you know, out of your brother's eyes. A good thing you're helping him to see. But do something about your eyes first. That's what he's saying. So our eyes matter. What we see with our eyes matter. So we have to make sure that our vision is not hindered, is not distorted, and not contaminated. The word sin, sin means crooked. It means twisted, bent, distorted. Now, how many of you, how many of you wear glasses? Yes. And do you know that when you're your um, glasses are a bit twisted, like not sitting right on your nose. You start to see things. You start to see things funny because you haven't got the proper vision. So that's why the optometrists they have to make sure that the lens are set properly. So the word sin means crooked, twisted, distorted. Sin gives a person a distorted, biased, and contaminated view. You might be harboring a negative bias against somebody without even knowing it. But your words will tell you. Being ignorant of God's nature, God's way of doing things, God's will and purpose becomes distorted. Yes, I read the Bible. It's okay. Sometimes God said that he will not heal us. Oh, really? When did you find that in the Bible? Because he's reading his Bible from his experience that he was sick and he did not get healed. And so he's thinking, when I get sick, I should go to the doctor. You know, God might not heal me. He doesn't heal all the time. He heals when, he's li- when he likes it. When he doesn't like you, he doesn't heal you. So where did he come up with that conclusion? Because he had a distorted view of God. Because he did not fix his, gla- Sorry, his glasses properly, the word of God. Remember, James said the word of God is like a mirror. You need to see yourself in the mirror. Is it the will of God to heal me? Don't look at yourself. If you look at yourself, you think I'm not good enough. I'm not righteous enough. I haven't done enough good work. No, it is nothing to do with you. It's God's nature to heal you. It's his nature, it's his character, it's his goodwill, it's his mercy, it's his love to heal the sick. Jesus never went about and checked. Should I heal that man? Should I heal that woman? (laughs) Let me check their record. Did he do that? Not even once. Our failure in prayer is because of our failure to believe in God's unconditional love. Because we ourselves are so conditional. That's how we treat one another with conditions. But God does not treat us with conditions. He is good and he is good all the time. And the reason why your prayers don't come to pass is because there are hindrances. 
obstacles, the way you see things, the way you interpret the Bible, the way you interpret things, the way you look at yourself, and you put a condition there, and it stops the free flow of God's provision. Can we say amen? Let's look at Peter, Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, verse 4. Let me ask you a question. Was Peter a perfect man? Absolutely no, he wasn't. He betrayed Jesus. And when Jesus saw him again, Jesus, was he vindictive? Well, you betrayed me. You're a traitor. Now I'm going to show you my real color. Was he like that? No, Jesus restored him. If you look at Luke chapter 5, verse 4 to 9, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, this is Jesus, okay? He said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. So Jesus said to Simon, now let's go deeper into the sea because when it's deeper, you have more fish. And Simon answered, master, we toiled all night and got nothing. Well, you are a preacher. What do you know about fishing? We are the professionals. We are the professional fishermen. Well, just to save your face, <laughs> just to be polite, at your word, I will let down the nets. He wasn't convinced of the word of God at all at that moment. Otherwise, this wouldn't have taken place. He was just giving Jesus face. He was just being polite. And that's why, you see, when they had done this, they enclosed, they caught a large number of fish. So many fish, their nets started to break. And they had to signal another boat to come and help them. And what happened? Look at Peter. Look at Peter. Verse 8. But when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. This is so, so powerful, and this is what every one of us should get. When the light comes in, it's not for us to justify our wrongdoing. It's not for us, you know, to feel good about ourselves, but to get into the truth. Peter realized that he despised the Lord. He despised the Lord. He did not trust his word. He felt that Jesus was being ridiculous and being foolish and stupid. We had caught, you know, we had worked all day and caught nothing. What are you saying? You still want us to do it again? Can you put yourself in his shoes? Jesus is saying, let's do it again. This is so, so powerful. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. So the light came. The enlightenment came. With the conviction. Because we will only change when we are convicted. Come on. We won't change until we are convicted. 
He was convicted of his sin of despising God and his word. That's what happened to Eve and Adam. Putting God last in his list of trust is the sin of unbelief. They tried to remind Jesus of their past. To let him know, don't tell us to waste our time. We need to know that our past is irrelevant as far as God is concerned. He is building our future and he is moving us into his plan. Don't allow your past to drag you back to a, what's that called? A dead end. So am I going to see my life with the word of God? Or am I going to see my life through situations and circumstances? Look at Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. If we can't even believe God's plan for reconciliation, how can we believe God for prosperity? If we can't even believe God's plan for salvation, how can we believe God for healing? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your wholeness, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So am I to see my life through this scripture or am I to see my life through situations and circumstances? My question for you this morning, for all of us, is how do we interpret our lives with or against the word? What if the word is against your feelings? I want to slap that person, but God says to forgive him. (laughs) Hey, I want to eat a great meal, but the word of God says exercise temperance. Your greatest enemy, my greatest enemy is my feelings. So when we have to choose between God, his word, and my feelings, whom do I side with? The word of God says, do not fornicate. But my feelings says, oh, I want to sleep with him to prove to him that I love him. Whose side are you on? The word or your feelings. Look at Matthew chapter 18 verse 9. Matthew 18 verse 9 repeated in Mark chapter 9 verse 47. This is Jesus speaking. But if your eye causes you to sin, then tear it out and throw it away. This is a very gruesome description. That's telling us how important it is to have a good eye. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. Sometimes it's good for us to turn a blind eye to evil. To turn a blind eye to what hinders us and focus on what is good. It's a lot easier to live it like that. To live that way. Amen. I'm not talking about job performances. I'm not talking about tasks. I'm talking about character flaws. 
I'm talking about weaknesses of the soul. I'm talking about obstacles, discouragements. The good news is I can choose what not to see. I can choose what not to see. I can choose what not to remember. I can choose what to store and what to cast out. For a profitable, successful, meaningful, and joyful living. Can we say amen? By the grace of God, I can get to decide who lives in me. Who talks to me. Amen. God or the accuser. God or the devil of compromise. Deception and fear. How do I do that? I feed my spirit with the word of God. I train my soul to devote to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said, it's no longer I who lives, but Jesus who is living in me. I'm not weighing everything according to my advantage. No, my devotion is to the Lord. He is the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is our unfailing interpreter. If you would allow him to interpret your life, you will never fail. If you would allow him to interpret all the events in your life, you will never fail. So the key is to meditate on the word and pray in tongues while you're doing so. To get into his perspective, his thoughts and his feelings. Go with me to Job chapter 1 verse 8. Are you holding okay? Job chapter 1 verse 8. The Lord said unto Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth. A perfect and an upright man. One that fears God. And excuse evil. Hates evil. Well, that's how God sees Job. Let's look at the devil. Look at what he says. Well, God saw Job perfect. That's the way that God sees. Look at Job chapter 1 verse 9. Verse 9. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made an hatch about, his, about him, about his house? About all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands. His substance is increased in the land. He is serving you because of what you're giving him. He's serving you for all the blessings. But put forth your hand now and touch all that he has. He will curse you to your face. The devil is a fault finder. He will find faults with you. Anytime. All the time. Jesus calls him the accuser of the brethren. If you want to find fault, you can find fault with anybody and anything, anytime. None of us is perfect. It's so important that we understand that. So what do we do? Refuse his thoughts. Don't join his vision and his interpretation. Don't be his partner to evil. 
Can we say amen? There is an eye that all of us that we need to pray that we can see better. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. Ephesians 1 17. We need to pray for ourselves. Come on, say to yourself, I need to pray for myself. Don't just pray for everybody. You need to pray for yourself. I need to pray for myself. It's so important that we know that. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Let's look at that. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That's the inner eye. That's the internal eyes. That's the eyes of your spirit. And we need to pray that the eye of the understanding to be enlightened, enlightened, to receive more light, enlightened, to see clearly, to see clearly, to see as Jesus sees, to see what the Holy Spirit wants me to see. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know What is the hope of his calling? The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So, so powerful that we need to do that. Can we say amen? So work on the eyes. The internal spiritual eyes. Our eyes, our vision, our interpretation, they have to do with our wisdom, revelation, knowledge, riches, glory, power. Everything hinges on the eyes of our understanding. Can I ask you to listen to these choices? Proverbs 20 verse 12. Proverbs 20 verse 12. Listen to these choices. Remember, we can choose which set of eyes to engage. Proverbs twenty twelve: The hearing ear and the seeing eye. Which one is the seeing eye? The internal one. The eyes of our understanding. And the seeing eye. The Lord made even both of them. Proverbs 22, verse 9. He who has the bountiful eye. That means the eye that can easily forgive. The eye that overlooks mistakes. The eye that overlooks offenses. He who has a bountiful eye shall be blessed. Eyes that are generous. Eyes that see the needs of the people. For he gives of his bread to the poor. Proverbs 23 verse 6. Do not eat of the bread of him that has an evil eye. Do not desire his dainty meat. Because he has an evil eye. He's finding fault with you. He's looking for what is bad in you. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 6. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Let your eyes not stay on men to please them. Colossians chapter 3 verse 22. Slaves, servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. A change of sight, a change of vision. 
How many of us remember Saul on his way to Damascus? What happened to him? He was struck blind. Go with me to Acts chapter 9 verse 12. I'm finishing with this. Acts chapter 9 verse 12. This is referring to Saul. He had seen in a vision. So what did he have? A vision. In the natural, he had lost his sight. But when he lost his sight, he gained sight. When you're going through problems, difficulties, hard times in your life, that is a time of promotion. Number one is the time of testing. Number two is the time of promotion. Don't despise the tests, the hard times you're going through. Remember the scripture, what the devil meant for harm, God will turn it around for good. It's a turnaround time. So the same happened to Saul. He lost his natural sight, but he gained his spiritual sight. And he became such a powerful man. Why? Because he kept pursuing that vision. And he saw in his vision, Ananias came to him. If you look at verse 17, the same chapter, verse 17. This is Ananias. He said, Jesus, where's that? Where's Jesus? Jesus that appeared unto you in the way as you came, hath sent me. This is Ananias talking to Saul. He said, that you might what? Receive your sight. Receive your sight. I want you to notice the order. Saul saw a vision. And then what happened? How did he gain sight? Number one, he saw a vision. Number two, what happened? Uh, if you continue to read verse 18, look at verse 18. Immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales. Scales fell from his eyes. And he saw with a different kind of seeing, with a different set of eyes. Completely changed. Amen. The last scripture, the last two. Revelation chapter 3 verse 18. Jesus was talking about the Laodicean, the lukewarm church. What did he say? Anoint your eyes that you may see. The anointing. So it's good for us, you know, when we pray to put our hands on our eyes and thank you, Lord, my eyes to see. Anoint my eyes to see. Anoint my eyes to see. Can we do that now? Just put your hand over your eyes. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing. Anoint the eyes of your people. Anoint the eyes of your people that we can see beyond the surface. See beyond the natural. See beyond what the world is telling us. See beyond what the devil wants us to see. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. When you see different, you live different. God has given to us the eyes of faith. 
If you read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20 in the Amplified Bible, with eyes of faith, Isaac, as a parent, as a father, looked far into the future and invoked blessings upon Jacob and Esau. As parents, it's so important that we have the eyes of faith. Whether we are natural parents or spiritual parents, it is so important that we continue to engage the eyes of faith. Amen. The eyes of our spirit. Can we say amen? Every eye closed, every head bowed. I give you thanks, O God.